This is going to surprise you, I know. But I went to the scriptures thinking about what, when we first started planning this, and I thought, what, what's a great passage? I found one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I know. I know what you're thinking. You say that every Sunday. And I'm not lying either. I mean, it's, uh, what's my favorite passage? Probably the one that I'm in <laughs> that day. Um, it's just a great passage. I'm going to show it to you. Before I do that, though, let me just get you to think along these lines. When we talk about this whole thing of, of hope and transcendence um, and dream on and, and, and all the things that we, we heard the music from, let me just give you a couple of definitions. I don't normally do this. I'm going to try not to put you to sleep while I do it. But hope, definition, to cherish a desire with anticipation, to cherish a desire with anticipation. Um, you know, you hope for a promotion. Um, to desire with expectation of obtainment or to expect with confidence. It's hope. Transcendence. Extending the usual limits. Surpassing expectations. Extending or lying beyond the, uh, beyond the limits of the ordinary experience. It's transcendent. So life without hope is a pretty awful thing. It's not only humdrum and, and lackluster and often feels very futile, if it's not, or even worse. I was talking to a friend, I don't know, some time ago about, um, we were there asking about the series, and I was talking about this, going through the different things that I'd be speaking on. And uh, when I talked about this one, uh, they said, oh, it'd be interesting. And then, and then they sent me a note sometime later, and they just said this. They, 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 he comes here, but he said, I need some specific biblical advice on how to have hope when you feel hopeless. Lexapro ain't enough. And I'm not being critical of Lexapro. I'm not being critical of anything that can help uh, in terms of chemistry and body chemistry and so forth. But, but even, even though that can help in other kinds of medications, that ain't enough. You know, that's a, that's, a great, that's a great thought. So let me take you to this passage, all right? Thinking about this whole thing of hope and, and what that means and, and how, to, how, to, how that works in, my, in the here and now, as we like to say, in, in our everyday life. And let me take you to this passage that, um, well, you'll, you'll know it. You, you, let me tell you what's happened before this, before we get to the verse. Verses. Jesus is, this, he's at the Sea of Galilee, which is really just a huge lake, and um, and uh, he, he has just did this big deal that you all have heard about, whether you've read it or not. It's in Matthew 14. He uh, has, has preached to the 5,000 and fed them, you know, and they only had a few, a few loaves and a few fishes. And, and he, of course, blessed it, and they had 12 baskets left over. And they did this great miracle, and, 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 and the disciples are in awe of all this, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. He is the Lord God. You know, this is amazing stuff. That's just happened. So Jesus is about ready. That's where we pick up the, the narrative in the, in the Gospels. Right? So that just happens immediately after this, the Bible says, which is uh, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, probably Caesarea, which was across the lake where Peter was from. Well, he says he crossed the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. I always wondered about that. How did he send the people home? Did he, did he go up and say, okay, let me give the benediction and get you out of here? Um, no, no, I do that, don't I? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Jesus did it that way. Uh, did he just say, hey, guys, we're out? I mean, they're not wanting to leave. It's got free supper. That's a big deal in those days. 
You know, it's just a big deal. They had free dinner. You know, it was good. Anyway, he says, he says, I'll take care of getting everybody out of here. You guys get in the boat and get out of here. And maybe it was because he was concerned for their welfare because they're part of his, if you will, his entourage or whatever. And so he's thinking, you know, there'll be hangers on. So you guys get on out of here and then I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to get out of here myself and so forth. So anyway, he says, uh, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So he just basically walks up into the hills from there, which you could easily do. It's very close to the Golden Heights, if you need a geography lesson on that. Um, and just went up and, and, and to pray. Jesus did that a lot. You know what I think about whenever I read that? Jesus did that, did that a lot, and he was the Son of God. If he needed it, God knows I need it. Anyway, that's what he did. So meanwhile, verse 24, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. Here we go, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Um, That wasn't, in that culture, being afraid of a potential ghost or something wasn't really that out of the ordinary. They were very fearful of those sorts of things. So that's what they think has happened. Now, keep in mind a couple of things. A little quick geography, a little, just a quick background here. Uh, sea of Galilee or the lake, whatever you want to call it, um, it's about 33 miles in circumference. It's about 13 miles long and 8 miles wide, and the maximum depth is around 140, 150 feet. And it doesn't seem, I've been there, it doesn't seem that big, but it's a pretty big lake, or sea, if you want to call it that. So a lake that size or a sea that size, it's obviously a wind comes in and starts sweeping in there. You can see some, it'd be easy to have some big waves. And you talk, think about the boat there, and it's basically in a rowboat, what we would call a rowboat today. And, and they're thinking, oh, geez, this is really rough. So they're getting scared. They're worried about their lives. And, um, and then they see this, 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 this being walk toward them on the water. And they're thinking, oh, crap, we are in deep doo-doo, you know? Um, they're just, they're just, they're, they're thinking we're in trouble here. Um, well, look what happens, verse 27. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Now, some translators say he really just said, I am which, was, which would be what, what God said back in the book of Exodus, if you recall that passage in the Bible. He says, I am. And, of course, that was based on the movie we're going to have here, the 10-10. I am, right? Or was it the other way around? Well, anyway, uh, that was, uh, that's, work with me, folks, okay? Work with me. Uh, that was the, uh, th- so he might have just said, I am. Or he might have said, hey, it's me. You know, but we believe he said something like, I, I, I am, and uh, I'm here. And then, I love this part. I love Peter. There's a couple guys I really relate to in the Bible as I studied it and get to know him personality-wise. Peter is one of them. Peter had this very rich Peter's characteristic. He would open his mouth and engage his brain about three minutes later. Okay? And I just, I can relate to that. You know, and, and, and here he is. He says, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, <laughs> tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
Yes, come, Jesus said. I mean, you know, this is really, this is heavy duty. I mean, and Peter basically is saying something like what many of you have said to me at times. I really would like to have a sign. That's what he's saying. He said, I, I don't know if I believe it's you or not, Lord. Let me walk. Let me, let me walk in the water. And Jesus says, come on. Pretty cool stuff. Now, I know I've read different things, all the libs, all those liberal scholars and these yahoos and say, well, it was really a shallow. That's 140 feet deep, idiot. Come on. I mean, you know, you read all this stuff and some of these guys are like, why don't you just go, go there sometime? Yeah? Anyway, this was, this, was deep, this, was the, this was deep and he's literally walking on the water, okay? Because it was Jesus, the Lord God of the universe saying, come on. How hard is that? If he can create the world, he can get you to walk on water, right? Unfortunately, we don't get to do that these days, but anyway. So Jesus spoke to, you know, Jesus says, yes, come. Now watch what happens. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I got to tell you, because I know this guy, Peter. Peter's one of the few guys I can say, well, what would I have done? That's probably what Peter did. He, he stepped out of that boat and started walking on the water. I guarantee you, it's not in the Bible, it's not anywhere in the Bible, it's not anywhere in any ancient manuscripts, but I guarantee you, he stepped on that water and he's looking back at those guys. <laughs> I guarantee you. He's, hey guys, look at me. You poor stiffs, don't you have any faith, you know? I got faith you don't, you know? A bunch of doubters, a bunch of heathens. Um, and it didn't last for, and because you know what? Look what happens. <laughs> soon as soon, <laughs> Peter went aside of the boat, walked in the water toward Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, and probably his buddies, he was terrified. And he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And, of course, Jesus was God, and he would never be, he would never say this, but I, I, I wonder, you know, I'm the Son. You just saw me feed 5,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves, and you, you know, what do I got to do to convince you I am the Son of God? Um, he is the Son of God. He was, and he is. But for that moment when Jesus, when, when Peter took his, his focus off of Jesus, and looked at the wind. At least we know the wind and the waves. The Bible tells us that. And maybe his buddies too. Who knows? Boom. He starts sinking. Listen, our, fo- our, excuse me, our faith, our hope, our faith, our hope becomes stronger when our focus is on Christ. Peter shows us that clearly from this particular narrative in the Gospels. Our faith and our hope become stronger when our focus is on Christ. And you know what? Sometimes, and it's important to remember this, sometimes our, our faith has hope when trust just barely edges out the doubt. People talk about doubts all the time. Um, and, and you have sometimes. Sometimes you have questions and unanswered questions. But, you know, somebody, I've had this discussion a lot with people, and they say, well, you know, I don't know for sure if I'm a person of faith in Christ because I have doubts. And my answer usually goes, do you believe 51% of the time that Jesus is God and that he came and lived and died and rose again for you? Do you believe that 51% of the time? Well, I haven't put numbers to it yet, but I guess I do at least 51%. I said, you're good. You're good. 
Nobody, nobody in the scripture, nobody, nowhere does it say there'll never be questions or doubts. That's why it's called faith. It's not empirical evidence, it's faith. And that's important for us to remember. So, so the issue here comes down to the fact that our faith and our hope become stronger when our focus is on Christ. And sometimes we have those questions, but, but even if, that's when our trust edges out the doubt. But you know, it's so easy to lose our focus on Christ. So easy to lose our focus when, when uh, looking at other distractions, life, and so many distractions in the world, aren't there? So many. I did this. I, was, I had, had this great opportunity um, from time to time to do uh, weddings and marry some of you. We got one when I comes, I married right there last year, right? And they're from Dallas, and they come back every so often because part of the deal was they had to come to church at least a few times. I don't care if you're in Dallas. I don't care where you live. If I marry you, you got to come to church sometimes. You know, I don't care. <laughs> part of the deal. And uh, so um, I did a wedding yesterday uh, on, the, on the shore, um, Spring Lake, Spring Lake, but the breakers, everything's at the breakers. We, we, and and we, uh, this isn't part of the story, but I get there and it's at, the, it's at the gazebo over the boardwalk. And I go over there and there's three other weddings scheduled for the same time. <laughs> and I go back to the breakers and my groom had thought that, that they had reserved it for him. And they, of course, can't do that because it's public property. So I had to go back and negotiate. All I will tell you is my wedding was not late for the cocktail hour, okay? That's all I will tell you. <laughs> um, and we, we worked it out. But anyway, uh, I, was, I was with the groom. We were standing on the gazebo, and, you know, of course, the beach is behind us. And they were doing the traditional thing of not seeing his bride before she came. And she st- came out of the breakers, and I was watching her to come across the street, the Ocean Boulevard. And... Um, I said, and he started, I said, don't look, man, don't look. I don't want you to see her clear across. There. I don't want you to see her until you can really see what she looks like instead of, you know, just, I said, just focus. I said, let's look out here. We looked out there, and there's a bunch of girls in bikinis. I said, don't look out there either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, focus on me, okay? Just look at me. We'll just talk. Yeah. <laughs> so the distractions are numerous, obviously, in many areas of life. Okay, so, so that's when we start talking about this thing, um, it's easy to lose our focus in so many different ways. And sometimes it's good stuff. It's jobs and families and, and, and sports. Nothing wrong with that. There's a, the diversions that we like. But it's so easy to lose our focus. Let me show you a verse, a couple of verses. And I want to talk about that focus. This is uh, from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Do we have that underlined? Oh, we have it. Yeah, I have it underlined here. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Focus on Christ, he says. The Jesus who who lived and, 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 and suffered and died and went to the cross, died and rose again. Focus on him and what he's done and who he is and the preeminence he has or should have in your life. Focus on Christ. 
How do we do that? There's a lot of ways. Um, three real quick suggestions. These, there, there, there's many ways, and I can't exhaust that. Let me just give you three real quick things to think about. Examine your appetite. You say, well, what I eat now, I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about what, what you take in with your eyes and your ears. Conversations. Reading. TV or movies or theater. Shows. Examine that. Give that a good look at. Real good look, look into. Go to speak. I'll tell you. you need, some of you need to hear this from somebody that loves you, so I'm going to say it. Some of you, some of you watch crap. You know, and, and you wonder why you have some of the issues that you have. And you, you go home and you watch some of the stuff, and you're like, God, that's going to have an effect somewhere. You, 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 you don't, and I, I understand, I know how that works. You don't mentally and, 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 and visually digest certain things without having some, some kind of an effect on you. And some of you are reading, you know. I mean, I, I believe you need to read, certainly reading the Bible, I'm assuming you do that. I'm assuming you do that. If you don't, start. But even some other things that you should read, and there's a lot of things you can read that are, that are good and, and whole and, 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 and so healthy and so forth. But examine, just examine that. I'm not here to beat you up on it. I'm not here to, to chastise you. I'm just saying examine that. You need to think about that. I, can't, I, I, I can only get you to think about it. I can't, I can't do anything more than that. So think about that. Second little suggestion that I would give you, and how do you keep that focus on Jesus? Memorize some scripture. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not. It's on, on Inside Sports, speaking of watching things, on HBO, Inside Sports. Pretty good show. It's, it's, it's the latest one. If you've ever seen it, it's uh, Bryant Gumbel, and he did this thing on uh, Josh, uh, what's his name? Texas Rangers. Josh Howard? Hamilton. Hamilton? Josh Hamilton. Texas Rangers, big hitter, just amazing life, and he's been up and down with the drugs and and all this other kind of stuff, and he's become a believer, and, and, uh, and he's now just really focused. He's, he's, they, they, you know, they call him the natural, because he's just got incredible hurt right now, but he's, he's got incredible swing. And uh, Brian Gumbel, or the guy that was interviewing him, asked him, so well, how, do you, how do you handle the temptation? Because you've got a lot of temptation, you've got a lot of money. He said, you know, I just, I just have to memorize Scripture. They didn't cut it out, left it right there on. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and here's the thing, I, and I've been in different types of situations where people, you, you, you do that as sort of a discipline to memorize Scripture. You worry about whether you have the is right or the of right. Don't worry about that stuff. Of course, you know I'm going to say that because I'm not a detail guy. I'm only worried about, I'm only worried, you know, if you memorize that one little phrase, here, here's how you do this. Because I don't want you to carry, you don't need to carry flashcards. Not a bad idea, but you don't have to carry flashcards around with you or whatever. Oh, i got to get this verse now. Just that one phrase right there in, in the Hebrews 12 too. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's a verse right there. It's a, not a whole verse, but it's part of a verse. Just think about that. Just, just take a phrase or two when you, when you are reading the Scriptures, which I would assume is, is pretty regular, I hope. I hope. Um, just take a phrase or two. I, I, need to, I need to write that down in my memory by keeping my eyes on Jesus, by keeping my focus on Christ. That helps. Third thing I would say is just be Intentional about your focus, I call it your focus time. Just be intentional about that. Uh, whether that be a, a time that you can just get alone and, and just pray a little bit, maybe read the one verse or phrase or verses or whatever that you're, you're, that you're working on. Whether that be in the morning or the nighttime or the middle of the day or maybe you have to dismiss yourself and go to the bathroom during the office to take a few minutes to do that. Maybe it's on the train. I don't know. Work that out. Figure that out. But you need to be intentional about that. 
how you're going to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same time every day or, or whatever, but just be intentional about making that happen in your life. And, and, and you will see some differences that begin to take place in your life. You really will. Our faith and our hope becomes stronger when our focus is on Christ. Let me leave you with a prayer from one of my guys. You've got to be careful how you say that these days, don't you? Uh, from, from a guy that I like a lot, okay? Uh, Thomas Kempis. He's an old, old, old church father, more or less, philosopher, writer. Look, look, watch this. Just make this your prayer. Just, just, just follow along with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, make possible to me by grace what is impossible to me by nature. You know well that I can suffer little and that I am soon downcast, or I'm soon cast down by little adversity. Lord Jesus, make possible to me by grace what's impossible by my nature. You know well that I can suffer little and that I am soon cast down by little adversity. (laughs) That's me. Probably you. I ask God to make that true in my life and yours. Let me pray for us all. Lord God, Lord God, I do make that prayer mine. It doesn't take much to discourage us. It doesn't take much. And, And God, I pray that you would even though it is not by nature for me or anybody here to have the kind of grace that we need, the kind of focus that we need, we ask that you would give us grace to make that happen in our lives. And that it happens by your grace, by your help, and by your mercy. We pray that and we thank you for your love and your grace in all of our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.